chapter 14 called Living in God's Will. That's what the series is called. Uh, if you haven't been here before uh, during this series, please let me let you know that we're borrowing these signs. We did not steal them or go out and take them without permission. Uh, they're on loan to us from the city and we will be giving them back. But they're, they're kind of helping us to see that understanding God's will or living in God's will from Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14 is a lot like our vacation. It's a lot like following signs when we're driving down the road. It's a lot like our GPS system. We have to pay attention to what God is telling us to do and follow his will. We looked at Romans chapter 13 now, uh, the entire part of Romans chapter 13. We talked about not driving drowsy. We talked about staying in debt. Clothes do make the man. Uh, last week, rebels no more. And then today, we're going to talk about staying sober. Staying sober. Now, when you're driving, uh, it's probably good advice not to drink and drive. Um, that's great advice. I don't know if you've ever been pulled over uh, by the police at those uh, sobriety check just those checkpoints to see uh, maybe you've been pulled over for drunk driving. Maybe you have been intoxicated behind the wheel. Um, there, are, there are problems with that. There were one time I was coming home from Mitchell. I don't remember if I was in Sioux Falls or just in Mitchell. And I was coming north of town and a car pulled out of the Congo Club right in front of me and he was all over the road back and forth I say he I assume that's who he was but uh, he was pulling just driving everywhere and I was trying to get around him but I thought there's no way I am going around this car because if I do I might end up in the ditch and so I actually called um, the police department and said I'm following a guy that is like uh, all over the road and you might want to check on that and uh, see but he pulled left eventually and you know made his way down another road and so I don't know what happened but uh, when we we are intoxicated, it's hard to keep a straight path. The Bible warns us not to be intoxicated by the things of the world because the things of the world can kind of keep us from following the road signs clearly that God puts in front of us. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we read that the Apostle Paul says, if we're going to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, he kind of gives us the formula for it. He says, offer to God your body as a living sacrifice. He says to us, stop copying the habits or the patterns of the world and renew your mind. Change the way you think. And if you do that, you're gonna be transformed and you're gonna know the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. Knowing the will of God is not gonna happen by accident. It's not gonna happen by osmosis. It's not gonna happen just because you pray and maybe hope it happens. It's gonna happen when we do what the Bible tells us to do. In the last days, the scripture warns there's gonna be a deception on the earth where it's gonna look like we're doing good things. It's gonna look like we're following God's road signs, but it's not gonna be what God has asked us to do. It's gonna be, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Hmm. <clears throat> it's going to be good, but it's not going to be God. The scripture says if you are going to know God's will, you need to study the word. You need to know what the word says. We talked about King Solomon today in Sunday school, and we were warned that the king was told to read the, the law day and night so that his heart did not turn away from the Lord. There are too many Christians that live today saying, 
I think this is what the Bible says. I think this is what my Sunday school teacher used to say to me. Instead of diligently getting into the word and knowing what the word says, we're just relying on ourselves. And hey, that thing looks good, so it must be God. I mean, that sounds good. That sounds compassionate. That sounds like a really good response. And so, I mean, I want to have compassion on people. And so, uh, you know, I'm going I'm, I'm to go with that because I, I think that's the right thing to do. Even though God's word clearly says, do not do this, do not touch this, do not live like this, we think, well, you know, what's the harm? I mean, I think that the word says something like that. If we're going to make it through the deception in the last days, we've got to study the word. We've got to spend time in prayer. We've got to walk in obedience to the word. You can't just know the word. You've got to do what it says. James says, if you hear the word, read the word, study the word, know the word, but you don't do what it says, you deceive yourself. You come to a place where you think you're living your life the way you should live it, but you're not. If you actually looked intently into the law of God, you would see that your life is not like that. But you think it's okay just because you don't feel anything's wrong with it. Can I tell you something about your feelings? They change a lot, and they're not a good good compass. The word is our compass. And then... The scripture says that we ought to stay connected with other believers. Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, because especially as you see the day drawing near. So if we're going to avoid deception in the last day, if we're going to know what Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the good, pleasing, perfect will of God, then we've better be in the word. If you're not in the word daily, you are not going to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me say that again. If you are not in the word daily, you will not be making decisions that are in the good, perfect, pleasing will of God. You won't. I won't. We will be deceived. If we're not in prayer, if we're not being obedient to the things we're reading in the word, and if we're not in a relationship connected with other believers, we will not be living in the good, perfect, pleasing will of God. Even though we feel like everything's okay. The scripture warns that there will be people that stand before God in Matthew chapter seven that say, Lord, we did a lot of good things in your name. And he'll say, I never knew you depart from me, you who practiced lawlessness. You know what lawlessness is in the Greek? It means law unto yourself. You practiced what felt right to you, not what I commanded you to do. You didn't do the will of my father. You did what you wanted to do. It was self. You, you, you catch him what I'm talking about? That's what we got to do. So we come to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, because of the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Be sober in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We've got different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so, Father, I pray that as we study your word, 
that you'd give us understanding and that you'd give us insight to live it out in our daily lives. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week I gave you the warning. If you fall asleep in the sermon, you, can, you could possibly take some stuff out of context that is not what I meant to say. And we all did pretty well with it last week, and at least nobody looked like they nodded off, and no one called me this week and called me a heretic. And so I'm gonna warn you of the same thing today. Um, I'm gonna try hard to say what I mean and not say something else. I'm gonna try to get you to hear what I mean and what the word says and not maybe what somebody else would want you to hear or say. And so what Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, verse three, he's already just told us that to, we're gonna live in the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. The first thing that the apostle Paul then addresses is what our lives look like, not as individuals, but corporately. Corporately. He doesn't address your own personal holiness. He will in the next couple chapters. He doesn't address any of that. First, the first thing he says is, you need to see how you fit into this whole thing. It's not all about me. Think about yourself with sober judgment. He says, because of the grace given to me. That word grace is the Greek word charis. What that means is it's either grace, sometimes in your translations it says gift. It's the same word. In fact, in this passage, when Paul says that we each have different gift, gifts, that's the same word. We each have different graces. And so Paul says, my gift is to be an apostle. It's to be a teacher. He's modeling what his gift is. According to the grace, the gift given to me, I say these things to you. Paul understands his gift. He understands how he fits into this whole big picture. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, he understands it. He says, I preach the good news, and it's not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. I'm compelled by God to preach. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I wouldn't deserve payment. But I have no choice for God has given me this sacred trust. Now we know he has a choice. But what he's saying is, if I am gonna follow Christ, the grace he's given to me is to be an apostle, it's to preach, it's to build the church. And if I'm gonna follow Christ, I gotta do it. I'm compelled to do this because this is the grace he's given to me. Later in, in the book of Corinthians, the apostle Paul tells us, we tell other people about Christ and his love compels us to do it. His love compels us to do it. What's he talking about when he says his love compels us? Does that mean that when we wake up in the morning, we're just gonna feel so warm and ready to tell people about Jesus? No, that's not what he says. He says, when I look at the cross, when I fully understand the truth of what Jesus did because of love, I'm compelled to tell others about it. My feelings really don't matter. It, for us to think that the, every day the apostle Paul got up, he felt like being an apostle would be absurd. It would be absurd. There were some days he woke up cranky, just like me and you. In fact, when I read the Apostle Paul, I would bet he woke up cranky a lot of days. That's just my thought. There were some days he probably woke up tired and just felt like, you know, is this any use? Is it, am I even making a difference? When he heard some of the reports about the Corinthian church, you know, really, is all that happening? Why do I even bother? 
but Christ's love compelled him. In other words, the reality of what Jesus did on the cross says, I don't have a choice. This is what I gotta do. Had nothing to do with his feelings. And so Paul says, because of this gift, because of this grace given to me, I give you Legos. That's what he says. Right there in Romans chapter 13, or Romans chapter 12, verse three. That word Lego is the word speak. But not just speak, in fact, your translation may say warn. I warn you of this. The emphasis on the word speak, meaning the message behind it is more important than just the talking. It's not just like speaking. It's like pay attention to this message. What I'm about to tell you is important. Listen up is what the Apostle Paul is saying. I'm gonna tell you, be sober. Don't think about yourself more highly than you should. That's his big message. The first thing he says after all that he has said about being transformed, being renewed, knowing the will of God, being a sacrifice, the first thing he says to us is stay sober. Think about yourself the way that you should. Don't think about yourself more highly than you should. Okay, now the obvious thing is don't be proud. Don't think, you know, I'm all that. I mean, there are those with that attitude that say, you know what, that person that's on the keyboard today, I could play keyboard way better than her. That guy that led with the guitar, man, does he even know any other chords? I mean, there are actually people in the body of Christ that live like that. They're just so critical of everybody and everything and what product you buy and what store you shop in and this store and that store. They have the gift of criticism, which I haven't found in the Bible yet, but some people have it. Don't think of yourself more highly. Don't think you're better than everyone else is what the Apostle Paul says. I mean, that would be obvious to us as Christians. I mean, we're like, yeah, that's probably a bad attitude to have. And that's, that's what the Apostle Paul's saying. That's not all he's saying. See, there are those in the body of Christ that are really insecure. And they say, you know, I really, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. I mean, I, I don't really feel like I'm very gifted. I don't feel like, you know, I, I, I'm just... The, the problem with that idea or that mindset is the focus is still on me. It's still on me. It's not on the grace of God given to me, it's on me. I, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. And the Bible clearly says every one of us have been given a grace, a gift, an ability to do something well. So, Sometimes we're in that insecure mode because we don't understand who we are in Christ. We don't understand the grace that he's poured into our life. Some of the times it's just because we're so insecure that we constantly need people to tell us how we're doing. What'd you think of, what'd you think of that today? What'd you think of, how'd you, how'd you think I did today? We want people to, to pat us on the back and praise us. And, you know, and it's, there's nothing wrong with complimenting people that do a great job in leading us. I did that this morning. The worship team did a great job in leading us. And I don't want to take for granted the time and the effort that they put in to do that for me so that I could worship God. And there's nothing wrong with praising each other. The Bible tells us to do it. But we can get hooked on it where we need it. I need you to tell me I did a good job today because I, I don't understand who I am in him. I don't understand the grace that's on my life. Paul's talking to that group of people too. Paul's also talking to the group of people that says, I don't need anyone else. You know, I don't need a body of believers to belong to. I, I just need Jesus. You know, I can have church at home on the internet. I don't need to be connected to a body of believers. That's foreign to the word of God. 
That concept is not in the scripture. Even though people say, but you know, pastor, I feel led to worship at home. Good, can you show me in the scripture where it says, worship at home by yourself all the time and don't be connected to other body of believers? Because if you can't back it up with the word, I really don't care how we feel led because our feelings can deceive us. The word keeps us grounded. See how we do that? So Paul says, have this sober judgment of yourself. What I see Paul saying is, it's impossible to be connected to God, to have a renewed mind, to be knowing his good and pleasing and perfect will and not be doing something for him. Now I know that there's an abuse on the other side of this that you can get so busy for God that you're not really, you don't really know him. Absolutely, but there's an abuse where you can get so busy knowing him and not doing anything for him that you don't really know him. Because when you know him, you want to do for him because you're compelled by what he did for us. That's the continuing debt to love one another that we've already talked about. Jesus modeled it for us in 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Warm, fuzzy feelings. No, the cross. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's how we know what love is. So we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How many of you think the cross felt good? I mean, the scripture says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, but I don't think it felt good. And sometimes when we we look at serving Others in the body of Christ, we think, you know, I serve people and they're mean to me. I serve people and they backbite. I serve, I'm done serving in the church because, you know, this and that and my experience. And, and yet the scripture here says we, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters because of how he laid down his life for me. That's the scripture I need to remind myself of when I'm having a pity party because of how I've been mistreated or because of what has been done to me or said to me or no one's appreciating me, I need to pull out my Bible to 1 John chapter three and say, Jesus, this is what you did and I'm gonna do what you did. I'm gonna model my life after you because you're the one that at the end of the day that's gonna say well done to me or not. And that's the only voice that we ought to really care about is him saying well done to us. If anyone has material possessions, and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? See, John says, you say you love God. You come out of church and you see someone in need and you have the ability to help that person, but you do nothing about it. How can you say that God's love is in you? Well, I didn't feel led to do it. John doesn't say anything about feeling led. He says, you see a need, you have the ability to meet it, and you didn't do it. What if John isn't just talking about mere material possessions, but what what if John is saying, if you have the gift on your life to teach and you're not teaching, how, how is God's love in you? Got really quiet just now. I mean, if there's a grace on your life to lead and you won't lead in the body of Christ, how can God's love be in you. But you don't understand, Pastor, I've been hurt before, or I've been, um, you know, I'd rather not get involved in that. I know, you know, I'd just rather not. 
You know, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul says, if your gift is this, just do it. I mean, it's just, it's so simple. Look back to Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight. He says, if your gift, let me scroll back here. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. I mean, it's almost like, here you go. If this is your gift, just use it. I mean, you don't have to wait for some special revelation from God. Here's your grace. Here's your gift. Do it. But see, there's a teaching, what I believe is an erroneous teaching in the body of Christ where, you know, just, you know, just however you feel led to do something. I agree, we should be led by the Spirit. I agree, we can get overextended and and do it, but I also believe we can use that just as an excuse to, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Do you see all these children that were lined up up here today? Statistically, 75% of them will make a decision whether they're gonna follow Christ before they hit the age of 18. What should be our highest priority? What should be our highest priority? Making sure they make that decision. Making sure they're grounded in faith. But pastor, children are not my gift. They're not mine either. But what I see is the reality in front of me is that this is important. You know, I've actually, in the back of my mind, I believe it's the devil and not the Lord, so I've never actually done it, but I'll tell you about it, and then you can decide. I've actually been tempted one day to put a VeggieTales movie in during church and go down and teach children's church. Because most of us in this room have heard so much word taught to us that it's just sickening. And those people down there need to get grounded in their faith. That's not saying there's no one in this room that needs to be grounded, but sometimes I think our priorities are are mixed up. The reality of God's word says if you have the ability to do something, do it. Serve in the body of Christ. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great among you should be the servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's really not about me. It's really not about my preference. It's really not about my opinion. It's really not about how I feel. It's about the fact that people daily go to a Christless eternity and they need to be served the word of God. They need to be served by the grace of God that's on my life. Philippians chapter two. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And I can't serve in the nursery. I can't teach a children's church class. I can't greet people coming in the door. Pastor, you don't understand, my schedule's so up in the air, I really can't be locked in. See, 
Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but what I'm trying to tell you is how easy it is for us to look at the word of God and just think, hey man, I'm doing my best to serve Jesus and we're not really laying our life down at all. We're just doing what we wanna do. I mean, church history is littered with people just doing what they wanna do. And that's why churches split and fight and argue over the dumbest stuff while people outside the doors have no idea what's going on, but it sure looks a lot like the office. That makes sense? God says, I've got a better way. I put grace on your life. And here's the thing, look at this. Each of us is like this little bag of Legos. And together, we could maybe build something really cool. Oops, look, I dropped one of my gifts. Let me build something here. I am so not creative and I don't play with Legos. But that piece really doesn't fit anywhere that I can tell. Here's we go. Here we go. Look at me. I'm a church unto myself. Don't I look good? I mean, you can stand me up like this, sort of. Maybe if I do this, you could stand me up. Oh, no, just keep falling. But this is me. This is who I am. But this is God's design. But in order to get there, you know what we have to do? We all have to dump our Legos into a big pile. Literally, the bags of Legos that are distributed throughout this room if we dumped them all into a pile today, we would get this. How much time do you think that would take? Think about it. I mean, if we just dumped those Legos, luckily I got the instructions back here hidden. And so we could follow the instructions, but you know what, we got the instructions here too. And God has a picture for what the body of Christ should look like. And this, I mean, it's not a beach house, but it's something. And we think that, you know, if we just pray hard enough, this is gonna come. You know what, let's dump these Legos out on the floor and let's just start praying over them and see if this jumps out. It ain't gonna happen. We're gonna have to be diligent. We're gonna have to work at it. We're gonna have to work together. We're gonna have to give up our Legos. I mean, if I hold on to my Legos, we're, never, we're not getting there. But if we all put our Legos in the pile, look what can come out. You know, I've watched people put Legos together. I've put Legos together with children before. There'll probably be some fights along the way. Probably be some disagreements. No, that piece doesn't go there. Look at the picture again. Look at what the picture says. No, you're not looking at it right. You, you, you done that? We can't, we skipped a whole page. Let's go back. You can't just, and so it's gonna be difficult, but when you get to the finished product, look what you got. I mean, if we just gave people a pile of Legos, they wouldn't be all that excited, but we give them a beach house, they're like, woo. The Apostle Paul takes Romans chapter 12, and the first thing he talks about is our connection to the body of Christ. I'm not trying to say your salvation is found in the church. Your salvation is not in how active you serve in the church. But if you're saved, the scripture seems to say you're gonna be active in the church. The problem is in the, the Bible days, there was one church in each city. There weren't 15 to 30 churches in each city. 
And so in our day, we got a whole bunch of churches. But you gotta get into a body of believers just like they did in the church in the book of Acts. And you gotta give yourself to that body. You gotta worship together. You gotta pray together. You gotta serve together. You gotta live together so that the whole body of Christ can be built up. Look at what the scripture says. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus says this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Don't just love him with your heart. Don't just love him with your mind. Don't just love him with your soul. Love him with your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor, heart, mind, soul, and strength as yourself. Ephesians chapter two says, God's handiwork, we are God's handiwork, Let's just change that. We are God's beach house created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm not mad at anyone today. I'm not, we pastor's preaching this because nobody wants to teach children's church. No, why I'm preaching this today is because God sees a beach house and all we got is just a pile of Legos sitting in their different spots. And so God looks down and sees all these Legos and he's like, man, If we could just come together, look what we would end up with. Ephesians chapter four. Christ himself gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ will be built up till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of son of God. By the way, that'll take all of eternity, so that hasn't happened yet. And we're gonna become mature, attaining to the full measure of Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I mean, what if this block here just decides he no longer wants to be there anymore and do his work? That's not so bad. I mean, nothing fell yet. But what if this part over here decides, man, I don't want to do my part either. I'm just going to stop doing my part. Well, what if this part back here decides, hey, I don't want to do my part anymore either. So all of a sudden the beach house doesn't look like the beach house is supposed to, to be. There's not one of us that God has gifted you with the grace of coming and sitting here to listen to me talk. That's not the grace on your life. Each of us have been given a grace and God's got a design for, for, the, for the body. First Peter chapter four. Each of you should use whatever grace, that's the same word, you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If he serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever, amen. If your child brings you a pile of Legos and says, look what I made, are you gonna be like, oh, that's nice. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't wanna crush his little ego, so maybe we would. Wow, you're a great builder. But if your child brings you this, you're gonna be like, wow, that's awesome. What does God get more praise from? A pile of Legos or the beach house? When each part does its work, when each part takes the grace that they've been given and uses it fully for the kingdom, God gets praise for that. The world looks at that and and knows that there's a God because of the beach house we've created. I know it seems weird to be still using beach house, but that's the analogy we got. I had to buy one on clearance. These things are expensive. And so I just bought the one on clearance and it just happened to be a beach house. 
No significance to it whatsoever. I would have much rather had the Star Wars one, but those are too expensive. The thing is, there's opportunities for us to use our graces outside of the body of Christ, outside of these walls, and I'm all for that. Some of you are involved in mops, and that's awesome. I'm for that. Some of you, Christina's been doing Bible study wherever she's sitting today at, at our home, and she's been bringing people and, and witnessing to people outside of this body. That's awesome. In fact, Hannah, I asked Hannah to share this morning because I want Hannah to tell you what, uh, what has happened. And so listen to Hannah. Yeah, you can be wherever you want. All right. Um, I could probably talk for an hour, but he told me two minutes, so we'll try and compromise. Um, a little over a month ago, I started an outreach team called K-Motion. It's with a bunch of other young adults in the community, actually from four different churches, um, some from this church and from three other churches. And our outreach focus um, right now is a kids club in the park every Tuesday night. And um, we kind of started this seeing kids in our neighborhood that aren't connected with any churches and um, that maybe don't have any way to get to church, that kind of thing. Um, we have done three different weeks uh, the last three Tuesdays, and this last week we had 26 kids and several parents that were there um, to listen, and it's kind of like a um, less structured VBS. We go around and invite kids from the neighborhood, and as they come, we have face paint and a giant beach ball that's like three feet tall, and some different games and things they can play with and just hang out. Um, once they all get there, we do a couple songs, have a Bible lesson, um, play some games, and have a snack. And um, it's really exciting, exciting to see that um, we're kind of getting some of the same kids coming back. Um, they're excited to come. When we go around, there's been kids waiting for us. They're like, oh, we're coming, we're coming. Uh, we saw, as we were walking, we saw them run in to tell their moms and dads that it was time to go. So that was really cool. Um, I love that these kids are hearing the salvation message. Um, they're hearing how much God loves them, but they're also seeing that there are adults in their community that, community that truly care for them and that um, are willing to invest their time in them. Um, there's also connections being made um, in the community, um, in my neighborhood, which is really cool and something that I really wanted to be able to see. One day this week, I saw three different sets of kids that I'd known from Kids Club and uh, a couple of the little boys, immediately they were like, next Tuesday night? Like, yep, we'll be there. And so that's just really cool that they have something to count on. Um, God's just doing amazing things, and I'm so excited and humbled to be a part of it. And if you want to hear the long version of this story, come find me later. <laughs> awesome. Just a group of people that saw that something needed to be done and did it. outside the walls of our church. We didn't sponsor it, we didn't create it. Hannah's a part of it. And because Hannah's a part of us, we're a part of it. Pray for Hannah, pray for this group that does it. If you maybe wanna help, ask how you can help. If you wanna fund it, fund it. But that's the body of Christ. Paul says if your gift is giving, that doesn't mean we don't all give, it doesn't mean we don't all serve, but do it well, give generously. 
That's what he says. Give generously. He tells us how to do it because each of us have been giving a gift, whether it's prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. That's just a small list. What the Apostle Paul is saying, everybody's got something. You've got at least one grace on your life. How are you using it? I guarantee you this, when you stand before Jesus on judgment day, you will not say, I wish I had attended another Bible study. I mean, I wish I had attended uh, another hymn sing. I wish I could have attended another church service. But I bet every one of us will think, I wish I had used the grace on my life to do more for the kingdom. Even if you do a lot down here, I know when we stand before the Lord, we're going to wish we had done more. The scripture says when we see him face to face, we're going to know him and be No, the apostle Paul tells us to use our gifts and use them well. First Corinthians chapter 12 says he puts the body wherever he wants them. He's the designer. We've got to try to figure it out. But look at how he says it in Colossians chapter three. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it's the Lord Jesus Christ you're serving. It's not the students in your class as the teacher that you're serving. It doesn't look like they pay attention. It doesn't look like they care. It doesn't look, it's him you're serving. And we can lose sight of that halfway through the school year when we think no, no child is actually paying attention to me right now. We do it for the Lord. It doesn't seem like my, my term as a deacon is really being a very effective. I mean, people aren't like coming to me for anything or I'm just, do what you do as unto the Lord. Do what you do as unto the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul says it again. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whether you're in the nursery, whether you're on the worship team, whether you're greeting, whether you're in the kitchen, whether you're at the park with people, whether you're in the mops, whatever you're doing, whatever grace God has given you, steward it well. Matthew chapter 25, our last scripture. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells the story about people who had received different talents. They had received a different amount of Legos in their bag, if you will. The man who had received just one Lego kept it to himself, and he presented it back to the Lord. Imagine if on judgment day I presented this to the Lord. Here's, here, Lord, here's what I had to offer. And the Lord's like, but Tom, look, look what I, I had this right here, and I had this over here, and I had, I mean, I, I, thank you for giving back to me what I gave to you, but I had greater plans for that. Look what he says to this one. The man who had received the one bag of gold that hid it in the ground said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground and here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You wicked, lazy servant. 
How many of us want to hear that on Judgment Day? No. But we can get so busy doing stuff here that really doesn't matter. And the Apostle Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Be sober. God has given you a grace. Whatever that grace is, use it. If your grace is serving, serve. If your grace is giving, give generously. If your gift is teaching, teach. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, show mercy. Whatever grace is on your life, multiply it. Give it out. Pour it out into the lives of others. Make it less about me and more about him. Now, I don't know about you, but I alluded to it once. How long do you really think it would take if we just dumped our Legos in, on the floor? I thought about doing this this afternoon, but I know we all got to go eat lunch. If we just dumped our Legos out on the floor and tried to build this thing, that would take a long time. It's not going to take any less effort to build the body of Christ. It's not gonna take any less effort on our part. And so while I love the fact that we're involved in ministries outside these walls and doing things, we should be. The reality is there's people in here that we can reach to. There are people that walk through those doors that need to be greeted with a smile. There are, are single moms that the only time they get away from their little baby to hear the word of God taught to them is in this service because someone's standing up in the nursery holding their baby for this time. The reality is we need that too. And some of you have been gifted to do it. You have a grace on your life and that's an ability that you have. And if it's, if it's the grace that's on your life, just do it. Just do it. The statistic is that 10% of the people do 90% of the work in churches. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I know there's a lot of people in a lot of churches that really don't do anything. And here's the thing. Most of them are not fulfilled people. Most of them are not joy-filled, flowing out of them people. They're usually critical people, grumpy people, because how do we experience joy? We serve, we give. Now, on the other side of that, I got people that are so overtaxed and doing so much that they're not joy-filled either. Now, they're grumpy and critical and tired. And so, yep, there's an extreme on both sides of this. But somewhere in the middle is what God is calling us to do. That's his plan. That's his design. That bag of Legos is yours to keep. If you want the picture that goes with it, I made some copies of that. You can stick that in that bag of Legos and you can put it up somewhere where that's gonna be a reminder to you that there's a grace on your life that God wants to use. He wants to use it in the city. He wants to use it in this body. And God's got a design for this church and it's our job to come together and find out what that is and build it. Can you say amen to that? And so, Father, I thank you today for your word. It is a lamp for our feet, and it's a light for our path. 
I thank you that your word is our foundation. It's steady and it's sure. It doesn't trick us. It doesn't deceive us. It just lays it out plain and simple. God, I thank you that this body of believers here, you've got a design and a plan for us. God, I know that it's not a beach house. It's a body. It's a body of believers. And you have given each of us a grace. Help us to steward those graces well. For the teachers in the room, God, help us to teach. For the givers in this room, help us to give generously. For the leaders in this room, help us to lead diligently. Help us to commit ourselves to one another because of the way you committed yourself to us. Father, help us not to make excuses. Help us not to reason in our hearts. Help us not to be wise in our own eyes. Help us to trust your design. In spite of the flaws that we see, in spite of the differences that we have, help us to embrace your design for this body. Help us to work together to build your kingdom. Holy Spirit, speak to each of our hearts, not just today, but through this week. For those that have insecurity and literally feel that they've got nothing to offer, Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see the grace that's on their lives. Help us to be diligent to use those graces. Help us not just to sit back and wait for opportunities. Father, help us to be like Hannah and like this group of young adults that looked for a way to use the grace that's on their lives. Help us to be diligent to steward your grace well. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The pictures of the beach house are going to be in the back. I encourage you to take one. I encourage you to keep your bag of Legos as a reminder of what God's word says about using the grace that's on our lives. God bless you as you go today.
Thank you. 